Captain Potter, you'd better warn your men. Things may happen. Like Toby Hader Tuzrand. And that was a quote from Greater Mass of the Pit for no reason other than I like it and it's my podcast. But other than that, how long have you how long have you got? As long as you need. Oh well, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll try not to. Start. I'm on stage an hour and a half, so um, right. I won't, <laughs> but I I hope not to take up too I'm much. On stage. That... I've got something to do in three days, so. Uh... Okay, so we're we're on Skype. I've pressed to record on three different things, so hopefully <laughs> this will work. Uh, and my next interview is going to nobble off a lot of of stories that are currently in black on my checklist. So I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Uh, hello, I'm Arthur Darville and I played Rory Williams in Doctor Who. Um, I suppose the first question, which is one you won't have been asked on Doctor Who Confidential or any of your interviews for Doctor Who magazine, is what's it like not being in Doctor Who anymore? <laughs> it's very hard. Um, it's really... I, I, do, I do miss it. It's, it's a, it was such a huge, huge part of my life. Um, but I don't think you ever... At times I feel like I kind of still am in it because it never, it never leaves you. You know, lots of people still talk to me about it and I'm still in touch with most of the people from it. So um, I just don't kind of do all the work side of it. So I've kind of got all the easy, the easy stuff. But it's um, it's odd and it's, you know, I, I sometimes do go, oh, you know, I really miss those guys. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice to be able to do other jobs. But, yeah, of course I miss it. Do you think you'll be doing Doctor Who conventions when you're 70? Oh, I, I, I do hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, well, tell us what you're doing now, because you're in New York. I'm in New York, and I'm doing a play, uh, a musical. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing a musical on Broadway called Once, um, which is amazing, and I get to sing and play guitar every night and be a, a depressed Irish musician, um, which, is, which is wonderful. I'm having a great time. And would that have happened without Doctor Who? I don't know. I don't think. So. I think Doctor Who's really opened a lot of a lot of doors for me, um, just in terms of being seen by a lot of people. And you know, I think it's. I'm really proud of the work I did on it because it was. Um, you know, the writing was so good. And it was great. It was a great character to, to play. So um, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I'd just be still on the dole if, if I didn't have Doctor Who. <laughs> and, and were you on the dole for long before you were on Doctor? I mean, how, when, when you when you get the call to to do an audition for for a part like Rory, did you know it was going to be a long running part? And how and how many times did they have to see you? And and was there ever a point where you thought, oh, I haven't got this? Yeah, there was actually, and, and it was I was because um, I do I do a lot of music stuff as well. So I'd written a musical and it had gone to with a guy called Chay Walker, and we'd taken it up to Edinburgh. Uh, and so I kind of I took a break from acting for a few months and decided to concentrate on music for a bit. Um, and while I was up there, I got the audition through for Doctor Who, and I was really busy, and I, I kind of thought, oh, it's never going to happen. But I got in the room and did, like, a first round there. And I knew, like, the kind of acting community, I think, is fairly small, and we all know each other. And I knew a few other people who were going up for it, uh, a few brilliant people and I was just like oh, well of course you know, they're going to they're going to get it uh, and then got a recall had to get to Cardiff and I knew Matt anyway we did a play together so I called Matt and was like um, I've got an audition uh, 
and so kind of came down and auditioned with him, which was great fun. Um, and the director was Adam Smith, who is a dear friend of mine now. Um, and it was just two rounds. But then I had to wait, I waited for like four weeks. And in that four week period, I decided that I hadn't got it. Matt kept phoning me going, no, 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 you've definitely, you've definitely got it. You've definitely got it. And I was like, well, I haven't had the call. And so I'd kind of given up hope. And I was, I was at my parents' house doing my tax return, kind of sitting in like a mountain of receipts, just going, oh God, this is horrible. Uh, and then got the call and screamed the house down. And my sister was in the kitchen. And at the end of the call, they went, oh yeah, yeah but you're not allowed to tell anymore. <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> my sister, who was in the kitchen, was like, what the f*** was that? And I just went, oh, um, oh, you know my friend Ben, he's just had a baby. I kind of made up some, like, and then eventually I was allowed to tell people. You should have said, yeah. I've, just, I've just found an ex- a receipt for a really expensive jumper that I wore yeah. in a play. <laughs> yeah, I, I just really love doing my tax return. <laughs> And so then, uh, did, did you know, were you contracted for, for all the episodes you did the first season, or were they still sort of making it up as you were doing it? I, I always claimed that they were making it up as they went along, because I only I thought it was only going to be a little time, because we didn't get the scripts in advance. So, um, I didn't know and when, if I was going to be killed off or, or anything. I thought it would be like four, four or five episodes. Um, and they were good at when I got those episodes when 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 Rory dies, they had told me that I was coming back after that. It wasn't like some sick <laughs> you think I was leaving and had a leaving party, and then suddenly they've rewritten me uh, back into it. So, um, but I I really didn't know. Every time my contract was renewed, I really didn't know that I was going to still be in it. Um, so I, was, I felt very lucky. Um, it's really nice to play a part for that long and, and to go through so many changes um, and character development <laughs> well therefore is there anything because I thought you hit the ground running I, I thought you were absolutely brilliant in the 11th hour um, and I, I was thinking oh I hope we see more of him because I just think the way you attack each line is you give it its own energy that you imagine it as an actor I imagine it written down and go ooh I can imagine what that would have read like and you've come at it from somewhere else to keep it zippy and I really liked what you did with it um, and so, but is there anything in that, those much. those first performances? Now that you've come to the end of playing the character, that you look back and go, "Oh yeah, I toyed with doing that, and then I I moved away from that." I mean, how did he develop yeah. for you? I, yeah, it, it really, it really. The chat, I because I, I, I don't, I don't really watch. I don't sit at home and watch myself on DVD. Um, but I, I kind of caught a few clips of of. Like I think it was like Vampires in Venice or something. I so wildly different to what I remembered, um, and because I didn't know that he would end up being you know a hero, and I really was playing on the. I wanted him to be an everyman and someone that people and, and that person who gets scared and that person who you know who kids relate to who who go what the hell is going on while everyone else is running around you know just going for it and I was really keen to to explore that and so when I started getting like all the Roman stuff it was really I don't know I think it was written I just think it was written really well I kept opening scripts and going oh this is very clever <laughs> um, and it was really nice to have a character that that did all that heroic stuff but coming from somewhere of pure like a, a place of pure fear um, 
Well, am I right to think, because your, your first episode, um, the 11th hour, they'd done, had they done the Angels before that? Yes. So, so you weren't the I, first block. They'd done the first block, so I was auditioning while they were filming. And, and you know, it's a brand new production team, pretty much for the, for, you know, for the first time ever with, with the new series of who they've got a new production team, entirely new set of leads. Um, yeah. All the old infrastructure in place wasn't there anymore. So, did you have to hit the ground running? Was it pretty hectic at the beginning? Yeah, it was really hectic and, and continued to be the most <laughs> hectic job I've ever done in my life. I don't know how Matt do, did it, really, actually, or does it, because we kind of we got in there and it's a very very fast filmed piece of television there's not much time for error and Adam was great the director Adam Smith was great the director of 11th Hour and he'd done um, some of the other ones because he and I think to, to, to a lot of people's annoyance he just kind of overran on everything and we had to we, he was just like well if it's not if it's not right I, I can't just move on to the next thing uh, so the schedule got really monkeyed around but because he was such a perfectionist with it and it's, I think it's why the 11th hour is so good and it needed to be really good so I think they were really they were probably really annoyed at the time but they were really lucky to have him and they know that because he, he him and, and Piers and Beth who were executing it at the time really cared about about how how it was going to be, and I felt kind of I felt very supported coming in because because everyone cared so much about making it really good, and but didn't make us feel pressured in in any way. And I kind of you know I had my own ideas about the character and stuff, and they just let me get on with it, which was really nice. And I think you know I've done a few jobs where they're very specific about what they about what they want, but it felt like they really. They really trusted us, but in terms of like filming schedules and stuff, it's it's really it's a really hard schedule. And, you know, a lot of the time I did have scenes where I just kind of stand around asking the odd question and whatever while Matt talks. But Matt had so many lines to learn every night and so much work to do, and he never he never missed a beat. He never he, he never kind of came in un, underprepared. It was just yeah, you know, it was a real lesson in, in work ethic. I really love Matt. I really love Matt. Well, you're, you're, there's a great dynamic between the three of you, but I, I guess as the regulars, it's your job for... Because Doctor Who is so much more fast-paced than the Doctor Who that I grew up with, I guess the uh, the energy has to come from the performances um, and the energy that you must bring to every scene. You must have been knackered at the end of yeah. every day. Yeah, but in, in the best possible way. It was, you know, it was the most fun to do. And like any job, you get really used to it. So it's like, oh, God, we're another bloody castle today. Uh, and you don't, you know, you, kind of, you you don't appreciate it at times, but that's kind of the beauty of it. And then sometimes you walk into a set, like walking into the, the Hitler's office for the first time, I had a moment just being like, oh, wow, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, we went all over the world with it. And, you know, you wake up in Spain about to go film on a, on a, on a permanent set for a cowboy film and I go, oh, I'm a bit tired, where's the coffee? And like, you, can't, you don't appreciate it at the time, really. Uh, but I think that's, you know, if you're walking around in awe the whole time, I don't need to be able to do, to do a good job. Yeah, because your, your first one back was Vampires, the Vampires of Venice, which yeah. or, or, or the Fish Aliens of Dubrovnik, as it... Yeah, <laughs> yeah 
it called. Um, so you're, you're, you know, you're you're abroad and fighting aliens and yeah. um, uh, 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 including lots of very attractive lady alien fish Indeed. vampires with, with spiky teeth. Uh, and you had to have a sword fight with a broom. I know it was great. It was great. I didn't think, and also like I'm awful at that stuff. Like, I, or I was. You know, I did like my, my sword fighting exams in. Uh, at drama school, but I, you know, I'm really clumsy. I'm really, I, I hurt myself a lot. Uh, so, but I was just like, oh yes, I feel like Errol Flynn. This is brilliant. Uh, and we, like me and Alex, just kept we kept being taken out to rehearse of like of a night time, and we had run like run of this whole town. It was amazing because it was off season for them. It's just it's kind of just a touristy place, really. That's what their main business is. It's very very quiet on off season. Like all the restaurants are shut, and it was like a pizza restaurant and a cafe open for us, and we knew everyone. So we, there was no one else around. So we, me and we went with the with the flight director and, and just hammered it. And that sword fight was much longer before, and obviously they cut it. But we wanted we wanted it to be like this epic, <laughs> <laughs> like ten minute princess sword bride. There was, there was like a sequence where I went down the washing line and landed on a chicken. And, and there was loads of. Don't do yourself down because I think sometimes the comedy cluts can be the part that, you know, producers sort of go, oh, yes, he's the lovable one and he's the one that the audience actually hate. But I don't think that that was the case with Rory because you managed to make you, you, you do the comedy, but he's also the voice of, of the doctor's conscience in a way and saying, oh, it's yeah, fun. Yeah, come on, mate. But this is serious. Yeah. 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 It was really odd. It was really interesting playing someone who was so nice like, and, and was always the voice of. That is because you've got a lovely face. Why do you always oh, say horrible you. people? Cathartic, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is cathartic. It's nice to be able to scream and shout and throw things. Um, and also, in case, in the terms of Doctor Who, beat up old ladies, um, <laughs> as you did in Amy's Choice. <laughs> Was yes. Just, I really, I really went for it, and I was like, oh, no. And I just, I thought for a second, I was like, if I can't have killed her, I can't have killed her. Um, and she was so nice about it. She was like, oh no, no, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So I was so. hit by Peter O'Toole once. You know. <laughs> uh, it's a funny old episode. That one was that, that, and that was the first time you died. Yeah. 
But I can't, that's my favourite death, the, 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 the disappearing into sand, just because I think it was so cool. It, it kind of reminded me slightly of Back to the Future, where his hand starts disappearing. Yeah. And I just like, the kind of, like when it, it disappears into sand. So it's a funny old story that one. It's not like um, any of the others you did. You've got a sort of village of marauding elderly people and, to- and a sort of virtuoso performance from Toby Jones. Yeah. Uh, and it's and I, th- it's, I think it's the no no Catherine Morshid did the lodger as well. Um, I've worked yeah. there. Um, yeah. So it's 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 quite an offbeat, strange entry to the canon. It was, it was really hard. It was really hard to shoot actually as well because we didn't quite understand it at the time. I think I didn't really understand it. It was so different. It was so wildly different to, to all the others. But I think it's really charming. And, you know, we did spend a week in that TARDIS set with plastic ice stuck to our faces. And, you know, when you're trying to kind of go to the toilet or eat with, with like, this, this, and it was like shavings off bottles and stuff just stuck everywhere. It drove, it drove us all slightly mad. But I think Toby was amazing in that episode. Like, he's in, in everything. Um, and I think it's really, in the best possible way, because I'm a big fan. It was a bit like Doctor Who does Midsummer Murders, and I quite, I quite like that. I thought it was a bit like a sort of Doctor Who annual story, where they always were a bit sort of strange, yeah. and you thought, I can't quite imagine where that's come from. Yeah. And I've got a bit it's... of Avengers as well. The idea of a of, of village populated by psychotic old people is quite Avengersy. Yeah. It felt really. It felt. It felt like it was. It was a story from from TV's past, definitely. Um, and there was something quite nice about that. And the fact, you know, we did just have to act against these kind of old people who were all lovely, uh, and slightly, you know, slightly mad at times. Yeah, and these visions of just all because they obviously they didn't have the stuff coming out of their mouths and whatever. But just all these old people walking really slowly towards us. It was so hard not to laugh at times because it just looked, it just looked hilarious. Um, I think it, I, I think it's really, it's really good. Uh, and much more traditional fare is um, and written by a writer who you've obviously gone to work with, well, since on Broadchurch, Chris Chibnall uh, doing the Silurians and and Hungry Earth. Now that that's sort of lots of the, lots of night filming and. Absolutely, and in you know, in, in a, a, little, a little Welsh town, which uh, uh, which, was, which was good, uh, and with Bob Pugh as well. He's hilarious, Bob Pugh. Who, uh, is, 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 is really fun. It was a really fun cast. I, I, I used to like it when there was uh, double episodes because you got to work with people for eight weeks, um, and they were a really a really good bunch of. Of people, and it was it was kind of how I imagined filming on Doctor Who was going to be, with lots of people in prosthetics and uh, you know monsters and people falling through the ground and whatever. Um, but um, Neve McIntosh plays um, plays with his sister. Both of them, um, yes. Yeah, both of them. I hadn't seen her out of prosthetics at all, but we'd been chatting loads at work, and then. I was sitting in the ho- I was staying in a hotel in Cardiff. I was sitting in the bar, just kind of minding my own business. And then this, this girl just kept looking at me and smiling, and, and I was like, "Oh, she's a really creepy girl." <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. It really unnerved me. And then, she, and then she came over and started talking. And I was like, "Oh no, it's like this person's mental." Um, and then I realised that it was Neve, and I just hadn't seen her out of 
out of her her prosthetics at all at work and we'd been chatting loads uh, and she just kind of looked over as if I'd recognise her and I was mortified but I made very awkward conversation with this who I thought was an absolute insane crazy person um, and it turned out to be someone that I knew really well. And of course that's very different to how you know a lot of the people I've interviewed for this are people that worked at the BBC in the 60s, 70s, 80s where you 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 rehearsed for a week in a in a in a drill yeah. hall and then performed and and so I mean do you do you feel as an actor that you would rather actually get to know your fellow actors and and rehearse like you do a play or is that a luxury you simply can't afford in telly anymore? I don't know. I think there's it depends on how it's managed. Like Broadchurch was really interesting because we didn't rehearse a thing. And I think it's the nature of, I think it really works for that type of television programme because because it's all about people talking in a room and there's no, there's no kind of big explosions of people running away that they have to get angles from. Really, you're just kind of trying to capture people's performances. So it was, it was a really interesting way of working and they kind of set it up from the beginning that we wouldn't, we wouldn't rehearse anything had to be really on it and then they'd try and shoot the first time we set the lines uh, so we kind of go vaguely where we stood and whatever but they just had a load of cameras and we went right let's, let's try and do it and a lot of the stuff that ended up on screen is was first takes of stuff and yeah. it was it was really refreshing for me as a way of working because and it made it made you feel really trusted and like you could go for what you wanted to what you wanted to do and if you'd done your homework enough and prepared enough uh, then it was really it was really amazing because you properly have to listen to what the other person's saying and it was like it felt like proper acting because you can kind of half arse rehearse some TV stuff like when you've kind of got a bit of time and it I don't know sometimes especially kind of the more emotional stuff you you, you peak too soon and with an extended amount of rehearsal you can really get something great going but um, sometimes it can be a bit counterproductive I think and what was interesting about Doctor Who was, for me anyway and and you know, I used to the character this quite a lot was that we knew the characters so well and so much of what you do in rehearsal is working out who the people are that you're playing and what their ticks are and what makes them what motivates them to do things but we kind of we knew that already by you know by halfway halfway through and so it was I don't know I think I think Doctor Who could do with with having a week of rehearsal it would be brilliant if you could have a week of rehearsal before you shoot every episode I think it'd be great uh, but because it can be done without it I think most TV programs just go well that's a load of money that we don't need to we don't need to spend but I think you know I've got a friend who's a director who's been in rehearsals for a film that they've been doing, and they've been rehearsing for like two or three weeks, and I think that's, I think that's good. Well, um, and of course, one's experience of being in stuff is there's always stuff that um, never makes it to the to the finished episode. So, was there anything from your episodes of Doctor Who that we've never seen that you think, oh, wish that had gone in? Yeah. Well, it's actually just little actiony bits. There's my slide down the, the washing line, in, <laughs> which I really, and I was really proud of it, and then that didn't make it in. And then when we were in Spain filming, um, filming the the Western episode, I they were like, right, we're shooting this bit in slow motion. You're all hiding, and then suddenly you're gonna run out from behind a 
from behind this building where you're hiding and it's going to be in slow motion it's going to look really cool and I was like right and there was just a like a, a post to tie horse tie horses up to and I was like right I'm going to I'm going to put, I'm going to jump over it and it's going to be in slow motion it's going to look amazing and it took me uh, about nine or ten takes to actually jump over it and I was like no I'm going to get it I'm going to get it and I was like this is my big moment of being quiet because I didn't really have much to say in that episode either it was just kind of there was a lot of stuff and I was like right I want one kind of bit of cool actiony stuff and they were like no 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 you, you just you, you can't do it and I kept like running into it and falling over it and eventually I got over it and they showed it they showed me getting over it in like the the, the screening we had out there and I was like oh yeah that looks really cool and then I didn't make it to the episode that was great <laughs> well, um, I don't think I think there were really there was some I remember there was a scene in the first or second episode of series uh, series six I should know all the names of them I don't the American one there was a really emotional scene between me and Matt uh, when Amy gets taken away and we're just sitting there waiting um, and we just have this big we had this big argument about how and it was the kind of same old same old argument I think, I think that's why it went but just about how he make, puts people in danger and how he doesn't care about actually care about people and, and the, you know how much I'm in love with her um, and it was with the little beeping thing that I could hear her her voice on, and I thought it was a really well written beautiful scene but I think the episode was already running an hour over uh, so I think that had to go but somewhere there is that scene is somewhere I was really I, that's the only one I've been really sad about going but there's generally even when I've gone oh that's annoying that's gone when you watch the episodes in full you go no you made a really smart move there a lot of it's about pacing and things that I just don't understand and they'll be used, they'll be nice to see on the twentieth anniversary DVD. Well, DVD will be yeah, defunct, yeah, yeah. won't it? Yeah. Microchip relay um, re-release. Well, we've just jumped because um, we, we're interested. We talk about um, emotion. I, I mean, when you came back in Pandora opens and Big Bang, you sort of get yeah. you get the hero moments where oh, it's the mystery reveal of who you are, and then you turn out to be an Auton, yeah. and then you kill Amy. And, yeah. and the doctor gets dragged into a box and everything hits the fan. Uh, and that's about as sort of stirring and sort of emotional and boring yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as the show's um, I think those are, my fav- those are still my favourite episodes out of all of them. Like, even over Angels Take Manhattan, which you know, was, I think, amazing. Really amazing. But I think those two, just for that magic and... Thanks to Arthur, his charity is the Acorns Children's Hospice uh, in Birmingham, which is www.acorns.org.uk. You'll hear him explain why in a forthcoming episode, which will be the second and final part of my chat with him. Next up, though, is a special three-interview look at a landmark Doctor Who story that I advertised a few episodes ago and then took ages to edit, so apologies for its delay. But hey, let's just go with it. Um, 
see you next time at Toby Haydokes Who's Round. Until then, listen to some of the old ones or follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydokes or one word. Uh, the big finish are at, at Big Finish. So do those things. Bye. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who Masquerade. Your guests have arrived. I was not expecting anyone. The Doctor, madame, and his companions. A doctor? Do the doors of the Marquise de Randel Salon open now to the bourgeoisie? It's not just me, is it, mister? You feel there's something wrong, too. Strangers, strangers, run and die, run. The children are becoming hysterical. As has the doctor. Vicomte, I need your assistance in removing that man from my house. Madam? He has abused my hospitality. Question me as though I were a criminal of the third estate and now runs amok, calling out to shadows. I believe him quite mad. No! No! Listen to a dead man! The steamroller man is coming! Doctor, doctor, no one knows how you go. No! Dead man, let go of us! Happy now, Nissa. Happy you tried to help this maniac. Madame de Ramdell, I believe we are all in great danger. Smash it all down. Level this place. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com.